Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spa Doctor Podcast. On today's podcast, we're talking about fertility, hormones, and your skin. My guest is Dr. Katie Rose. She is a licensed naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. She graduated from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Tempe, Arizona. She's also an instructor of Western Internal Medicine courses at the Arizona School of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. Dr. Rose is passionate about helping patients get to the root cause of hormone imbalances and build their families in the healthiest way possible. On today's podcast, we discuss the root causes that are similar to both skin issues and infertility. And Dr. Rose also shares a naturopathic approach to treating infertility in both men and women. And it's really interesting to see that many of the things that we do to help support people with infertility are also the things that the ways that we can help support the body in addressing the root causes that lead to skin issues. So when you have a healthy body, it's amazing what can happen. So please enjoy this interview with Dr. Rose. Dr. Katie, it's so great to have you on my podcast. Yeah, thank you for so much for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, of course. So today we're talking about fertility issues. This is definitely a big issue for a lot of people, and this is your area of expertise. And so wanted you to, you know, share why this is, first of all, why is this a big focus for you? What, what have you found to be? I mean, obviously you found this to be a big enough issue that this is your specialty, right? Right. So, I mean, we're living in a world where one in seven couples struggles with fertility issues and whether that's due to people waiting longer to have children or a lot of the environmental factors that we're exposed to now that our ancestors weren't exposed to. Um, the issue is not exactly clear why, but that's the reality. And people don't always know where to turn for that. You know, they'll, they'll start with their gynecologist maybe, and after a while they might get referred to a fertility specialist. And, you know, there are a lot of great technologies out there to help people get pregnant, but it doesn't address their underlying health issues and why they're struggling with fertility in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, so this was something that I was seeing in friends around me who seemed relatively healthy, and it was a, a fear of mine that I had in my late 20s um, for no particular reason except that as I got off the birth control pill, I wasn't getting my period. Then it kind of scared me. I thought, well, if this is happening to me now, am I going to be able to get pregnant when I'm ready to? So I started thinking about it years before I actually started thinking about wanting a family. And as I watched some close friends go through their journeys with fertility, um, it, it became clear to me that I needed to learn everything that I could about anything that could be natural approach for fertility. Yeah, it's, it is amazing how many people struggle with it. And I think that you know, anybody listening or watching, it, you may have struggled with it yourself, or you probably know someone that has. Not everybody is willing to talk about it though, um, but most of us know somebody that's just been uh, through all kinds of struggles with fertility treatment and and it's uh it effect impacts both women and men because they're you know it takes two right to do this 
So, um, so let's start with women, and then we'd also want to talk a little bit about men too. So, and you know, as a your naturopathic physician, which I love because I'm a naturopathic physician too. So we we both really believe in getting to the root cause of things, and just like you know, I talk a lot about skin issues and what is the root cause behind them. And you know, when people aren't able to get pregnant. Why is that? So we want to dig into what are the main reasons why people can't get pregnant? Absolutely. Well, there, there's a lot of factors. Um, in the female factors, some of it can be related to hormone imbalance, um, you know, like luteal phase deficiencies, hypothyroidism, um, maybe not having a thick enough uterine lining in the first part of the cycle, which is more of an estrogen deficiency issue. So there, there are several issues from a hormonal perspective. Um, there are also some genetic issues that can come up um, in terms of like clotting factors leading to recurrent miscarriages. Um, and then there's the, the whole world of unexplained infertility. And that's really where, um, where I get to see a lot of interesting cases because by the time people get to me, they've usually been through um, some assisted reproductive technologies already. And that's where we get to dive into all of those root causes that we see in naturopathic medicine. And, um, and you know, it's really interesting when you talk about skin and root causes of skin. Well, a lot of the same root causes behind skin issues are responsible for not having optimal fertility. And in any intake, I'm going to be asking someone about you know, if they've had acne and how that was treated in the past, and if they've had eczema or melasma or rosacea or psoriasis, because all of these help inform me about some of their deeper health issues. You know, is their immune system overactive or underactive? Is their gut health stable? Are they actually absorbing their nutrients and is their microbiome flourishing? And with acne, is it a hormonal imbalance? Is it a detoxification issue? And uh, if they were treated with birth control for a long time to help, you know, regulate that acne, then, you know, what is going to be the recourse of having had that treatment? Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that. And, and we are going to, this is something we've, we've talked a little bit about on the podcast, and we'll have other guests come on and talk about, but um, that do a lot with, um, you know, birth control syndrome. But what, it, kind of an overview, what, what does happen and why do birth control pills, um, you, know, you know, of course, people, I think, know why they're in general, they're used to treat acne because of their, is to curb androgen excesses is part of it. But, but what, do, what does taking them do to then create problems down the road? Right. Well, it basically just shuts down all communication between the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and the ovaries. So when women are taking these to regulate something, whether it's heavy bleeding or cramps or acne, um, it's not exactly regulating it. It's just stopping all communication. So sure, the symptoms might get better for the short term, but you come off of birth control and then the body has to completely relearn that communication process. And if you never got to the root of why they were experiencing those symptoms in the first place, then birth control may have made it worse in some cases because we see issues with the uterine lining in some women um, not being able to get thick enough to support a pregnancy after birth control. Um, we also see women who maybe won't get their periods for months at a time after birth control um, because that you know, brain ovarian connection is 
had gotten completely out of whack. And that was what happened in my case. And I think I went six months without a period. And my gynecologist was kind of just like, well, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. Well, no one ever told me it happened when I was 18, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's really scary for a lot of women coming into it, not having been properly informed in the first place of what could happen as a result of being on birth control. Yeah. So when, when someone comes to see you, the, a woman that comes to see you with infertility, what, what do you do to help them? Of course, you're going to take a comprehensive history and probably physical exam, but are you doing, what kind of tests are you doing? Kind of explain to people what it's like to, to, to kind of, you know, solve this mystery of what the root causes are. It is a mystery. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things we do, or at least I prefer to do is track a cycle or, you know, up to three, four cycles if they're having their cycles. Um, because this can give us so much information about um, the length of the different phases of the cycle, you know, when they're ovulating and, you know, if stress is a factor, are their temperatures just all over the place? So I'm referring to basal body temperature charting um, and understanding the signs of fertility because for some couples, it's as simple as they didn't understand the timing to try mm -hmm. and because they weren't aware of what signs to look for. So education is absolutely number one. You know, we have to get women connected to their bodies, understanding when they're most fertile, um, helping men in that process as well, because like you said, it takes two. So if it's you know a hetero couple, then I hope that the men are coming in with their partners and willing to learn this information as well. Um, and then there's some simple lab work that can be done. So you can look at hormones at different times in the cycle to assess um, their ovarian reserve, um, how robustly they're ovulating in the luteal phase. You can see their progesterone. Um, so there, there are some labs that I will do um, specific to the hormones, um, but then I also will be doing a thorough assessment of their thyroid because it's, it's been my experience that a subclinical hypothyroid can absolutely contribute to infertility. Mm -hmm. um, and what subclinical hypothyroidism is, yeah. Uh, so that would be a scenario when maybe a woman has some symptoms of hypothyroid, like fatigue, maybe difficulty losing weight, constipation, dry hair, dry skin, mm -hmm. but they've gotten their labs tested and everyone always says, oh, your labs are just normal. They're always normal. Well, what does normal mean? Um, because in the fertility world, you really want to look for a TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone between one and two. And if that's ideal for fertility, why shouldn't it be ideal for the general population? It's one of my questions. Um, so looking at that and not only the TSH, but the free hormone levels, whether or not there's thyroid antibodies, especially if there's a family history of thyroid, which is really strong in my patient population mm -hmm. and in my own family. So I've always been very aware of that. Yeah. And um, so you're doing all these tasks. You find that you're definitely finding correlation with um, what, what you're call, what, what's called subclinical hypothyroidism, which is basically, you know, people are not clinically diagnosed as hypothyroid, but they're showing some of the signs and symptoms of it. And it's really not optimal, right? The thyroid's not 
functioning optimally. So explain why you want your thyroid uh, a little bit more about, you know, why that's so important. Yeah. Well, thyroid is this incredibly important hormone in the body. Every single organ has thyroid hormone receptors on it. It's responsible for metabolism, keeping our body warm, um, keeping the gut moving properly, um, detoxification to some extent, hair health, skin health, male health, mood, energy, sleep. So, I mean, as you can see, it's like the list goes on and every single organ system is affected by the presence of thyroid hormone or lack thereof. Uh, so having that treated properly, really worked up properly from the first place um, is really important for your overall health, not just fertility. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And um, so you do a full workup on that. I, you know, I remember um, when I was doing, uh, when I was in medical, nature valley medical school and doing some of my preceptorship hours in um, a, it was a naturopathic fertility clinic and looking under the microscope at the ferning that occurs with um, cervical mucus. Like it's, it's the coolest thing. It's like what our bodies do to help create a baby <laughs> is really magical. And it's like all these things line up and be perfect, but yet every, lots of people have babies. <laughs> um, it's yeah. truly amazing. And so um, can you explain what the, what the ferning is? Because I, I thought it was a really cool thing to see that the human body does. Yeah. So the, the ferning of the cervical mucus is a sign of optimal fertility. And so as a cycle progresses, so, you know, day one is the first day of a period. Um, as the period finishes, women will notice that the mucus is dry and then it gets kind of sticky and then it gets kind of creamy and then it gets this... Um, kind of thick, stretchy material. And when you look at that stretchy material under a microscope, it has this ferning. And it's almost like this highway for the sperm to ride <laughs> up to the cervix yeah. and, and through the uterus and to the fallopian tube to the egg. Um, so it really is a miracle and magical like how our bodies prepare for this. And for women to understand what that means to have cervical mucus and not just think like, oh my gosh, do I have an infection or what is this? And know that, no, that's actually a very, very healthy sign. I know that's been talked about on your podcast before, so we don't have to get too yeah. deep into that, but um, that's what the ferning is indicative of. And it looks like, it looks like a fern. So it's got these little, like, kind of like, you know, a fern has these little kind of like fingers so that it, it, it helps get, you know, get the sperm where it needs to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing process. Um, so, uh, you know, it's with, with um, these, these obstacles or these root cause issues, one of the things that I imagine you look at is environmental issues or concerns about if the body um, needs some like detoxification or cleansing support. Is, there, is that something that you incorporate in your assessment and treatment? Absolutely. Um, part of it will depend on how much time a patient or a couple is willing to give me. Um, ideally, I would love minimum of three months, um, up to a year to prepare the body for that. Because when we have people who have had a lot of toxic exposure, whether it's a really obvious exposure, like they lived on an Air Force base their entire life, mm -hmm. or more insidious, um, like, you know, they worked in a dental office and they just hadn't even thought about, you know, some of like the mercury amalgam exposure when they're doing fillings. Um, those are, 
you know, we're always asking about hobbies where someone grew up, what their workplace environment is like, what their home is like, what their water sources are to assess what the overall toxic burden is. And there are tests that you can run for some of these things to look a little bit deeper in that if we think we need to. Um, but most people need some detoxification and it just depends on how much time they're willing to give me. Um, because if they're, they want to get going right away and I can't convince them otherwise, then it, it may not be a good time to start detoxifying because you start releasing all these toxins and you really need to get them bound and out of the body before you conceive. Right. Because otherwise they just go to the baby, right? If you don't yeah. want to do any kind of um, stirring up of toxin, moving, mobilizing them out of fat cells and um, bone or where, wherever the, you know, heavy metals or things can be stored, depending upon what the toxins are. If you start to do it while you're pregnant, it just goes into the bloodstream, goes to the baby, right? So um, same thing with breastfeeding. You don't want to be doing it that time either. Um, so it's, and then it, it, it helps improve the possibility for, for fertility, right? It does. And that's, you know, in the cases that I've had that have been told, you know, it's just unexplained, you know, we're not sure why. Um, we have run tests for both toxic metals like mercury and lead and arsenic and cadmium, as well as non-toxic compounds. So you can see in the urine byproducts of the body having been exposed to pesticides and exhaust fumes and plastics and detox based on those. Um, and I, you know, like I said, great health means better fertility. And so you'll often see these other health parameters improving as you're detoxifying too. Um, and then they're really surprised when they can get pregnant naturally. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I remember um, being in naturopathic medical school and this is kind of like just a side story and it's not, not, you know, it's just kind of a little personal story, but um, there were so many um, students getting pregnant during naturopathic medical school. And I don't know if it's still happening because this was, but it's like, you know, it was, you know, as students you are learning about this different way of living, maybe you weren't used to living all of a sudden your body changes and people can get pregnant so much easier when the body is healthy. Like the body's like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to work. And this is how my hormones are supposed to be. And, um, and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> it, it is pretty funny. And just to kind of like piggyback on that story, I had a patient last week who for the last couple of years had been seeing another naturopathic doctor in my office for general health and, you know, 41 years old, had been married for 18 years and they'd never been able to conceive naturally. They had gone through um, several IUI cycles and a failed IVF cycle and you know, after that, she was just exhausted, both physically and emotionally. And she just decided, no, I just, I need to like work on my overall health for a little bit. And in one year, she got pregnant twice naturally. Now, unfortunately, she miscarried, but she came to me and she was just like, I just, I don't get it. Like, how could I be 40 years old and just able to conceive naturally? And I said, well, so when, when did you start seeing this other doctor in our office? And she was like, oh, you know, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years. And I said, so naturopathic medicine is good fertility medicine. Oh, <laughs> you know, it yeah. clears those obstacles away so that life can happen because life wants to happen. And she kind of was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And right. even the other doctor in our office, I went to, I told her about it because I thought it was kind of funny. And she was like, 
gosh, I didn't think about it either. I want to stay as far away from babies as possible, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, yeah. And I mean, it, it, I think um, there is some disbelief, misbelief um, about how, how can naturopathic medicine help with fertility when all these invasive measures are made for, for typical fertility treatment. I mean, it's very invasive. The inject, the hormonal injections, the the extent, the medications, the extent of people will go to. And and I'm not saying, and I don't think you would either, that there's not a place for the, for some of that because for some people they really do need that kind of support. But just like we talk a lot about, you know, with the skin is, um, you know, there's so much that we can do to just to support the body without having to go to these invasive routes. So let's try this first and try supporting the body, getting it back into balance. And if that doesn't work, then go get more um, of the invasive types of treatments. Is that what you kind of think too? Uh, 100%. And I, you know, I will refer people to, you know, the reproductive endocrinologists in our city from time to time. Um, you know, one case is a patient who'd had severe endometriosis and she'd already had a couple of surgeries. And, you know, with that condition, the likelihood of there being damage to the tubes, the fallopian tubes or having a blockage, pretty high and you can also see some issues just with the egg being able to release from the ovary due to the scar tissue that can build up from endometriosis. So that's a case when, you know, that served that patient very well. But um, in general, you know, in vitro fertilization doesn't improve the quality of the egg. It doesn't improve the quality of the sperm. You can force two things together, but it doesn't mean that it's going to stick. Um, And you can force you know, the cycle to do certain things using those hormones that they do. But again, it doesn't improve the general nutrition of the patient. It's a very stressful process. So there are so many things that I think need to be taken into account before someone spends the, the time, the energy, and frankly, the money, because it's insanely expensive. So, you know, to spend a few hundred dollars to support your overall nutrition and hormones before you jump into that is always going to be my recommendation. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Yeah. Cause there are definitely, um, physical reasons why people can't conceive that, you know, naturopathic medicine maybe wouldn't be helpful for. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about women, but let's talk some about, about men too. And, and what are some things that you see with the male patients and the roles that it plays? And sometimes it's both, sometimes it's one or the other, right? Yeah. So, you know, with, with the statistics behind infertility, um, male factor accounts for 40 to 50%. And, you know, that little like 10 to 20% of cases are usually combined factor fertility. So with men, first of all, it's so easy to test them for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for fertility. Um, you know, a simple semen analysis can give so much information about, you know, the count, the motility, the morphology. So, you know, the shape of the sperm, are they moving in a forward direction? Instead of like, you know, going around in circles with, you know, two heads. Like, yeah. Yeah, you can I know, it's right. Again, it was in the same clinic. I saw some of the stuff on the microscope. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. It's, it's fascinating. So, and so it's incredibly easy to test men. And I always recommend it right off the bat um, in cases that, you know, the, the woman has already been working on herself um, for a while. And 
he's 50% of the genetic material. Um, also, if a woman has had recurrent miscarriages, there are some studies showing that um, you know, male factor can actually be responsible for miscarriages too. So I think anytime I'm seeing a couple, I, I really want there to be dual accountability for that. It's no one's fault. Everyone is in this together. And we have to work them up too because it's easy and sperm are really sensitive to the environment. So they're sensitive to heat and toxins and nutrition and their mitochondrial health, just the same way that eggs are, but men are constantly producing sperm. So it's, it, they're sensitive, but it's also easy to change their health. Um, and I don't think it's any accident that it takes a man about, you know, between 72 and 100 days for a sperm to mature, and it takes a woman 90 to 120 days for an egg to mature. You know, that tells me that if a general population is under a stress or has been exposed to an illness or a toxin, the body is very intelligent. It's not going to allow life to happen a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so if we're supporting them hand in hand, then we're much more likely to get a positive outcome. Right, right. And, and so are you seeing also, it seems like there are more people later in life deciding that they want to conceive and um, to have, you know, to have babies and it could be one or the other person that's older, but what about age and how that plays a role in, in fertility? I mean, I, you know, one of the things I'm sure people, there's some people you're going to want to know, is there a point where it's too late? Of course there is, right? So it depends on, you know, for women there is, yeah. For women there is, and it's it's such a gray area. And, you know, I've, I've had a, a couple people come to me, you know, a little later in life, early 50s, and it, it, we just don't know. You know, we can't necessarily rule it out because like we've mentioned, life wants to happen and miracles happen, but, Generally speaking, over 45, I'm usually going to say, like, we need to work on overall health. And if it happens, it happens. But I don't want to give anyone false hope of that happening, especially, you know, depending on what their health history and what their family history has been. Mm -hmm. So for women, really, like, 40 to 45 is when it gets iffy. But I've certainly have had patients who had successful pregnancies at 46. Yep. Um, and so, we, we've all heard about those late 40s, early 50s, yeah. heard about those women. It just gets harder and um, to conceive, but also to then carry the, the baby to full term, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it just, it, it, you, they need a little extra support going through pregnancy and with labor and delivery and in the postpartum period as well. Um, and in men, like, yes, we all know, like men can father children well into their eighties. Um, however, what I see in semen analysis is that really over 45, we start seeing a lot more abnormalities in the, the shape of the sperm, so the morphology and usually a lower count and, um, sometimes motility issues as well. So luckily, you know, it's, it's really simple to treat men for fertility issues. A lot of the times, you know, we do have to do a thorough intake with them as well and figure out, are they on any medications that might affect sperm production, including testosterone? Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's kind of a, a growing area for men to be on testosterone therapy, even at a younger age. And it might sound counterintuitive, but that actually will lower sperm count. 
um, and even supplements that are designed to boost testosterone naturally can lower sperm counts. So those are something to be very much aware of. Um, which, that, which supplements would that would like, what, which would, would those be? So the ones that I see some issues with are like the horny goat weed. Um, that would be the most common one. I, I get men who come in having kind of self medicated with some things over the counter that are just like, you know, these men's health formulas, um, even ginseng can in some cases affect semen production. So um, it kind of depends on the person and what their history is. We're very lucky here in Tucson that we have an amazing andrology lab. And when I went and met with their andrologist, he took out a binder about this thick and was like, all right, these are all the things that affect sperm. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> And he has just like years of compiled mm -hmm. studies in that binder that was like kind of mind blowing for me because having even gone through some pretty intensive fertility trainings, mm -hmm. I was not aware of some of those. So when in doubt, I know who to call. Right, right. And just so people know, people know, like this isn't a way to use, this isn't a form of birth control for people who don't want to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Taking a horny goat weed doesn't mean that that's going to protect you from <laughs> um, getting pregnant. So, <laughs> but um, so let's talk about the treatment approach. So when when you're treating uh, couples or individuals, what what you know what does that look like? So everything is very individualized to the person or the couple, but the modalities that I use the most are acupuncture, traditional Chinese herbs, some Western herbs. Um, and supplements that have, you know, evidence-based studies behind them supporting sperm health, egg health, extending luteal phase. Um, so it kind of depends on the person and what their comfort zone is and how fast they want to get pregnant. But I'll usually, you know, start with least invasive first. Um, so replenishing nutrient deficiencies like vitamin D or iron, um, working all the way up to using bioidentical hormones like progesterone to support a luteal phase. Mm -hmm. And how, how does progesterone help? So progesterone literally stands for pro-gestation hormone. And so this is the hormone that really helps a body hold a pregnancy. Um, it's only produced in high amounts in a woman when she ovulates. So, you know, as a follicle is developing, those cells that have been nourishing the egg, once ovulation occurs, they turn into the corpus luteum, which then produces progesterone. And if a woman has an egg fertilized and then that egg implants, that corpus luteum will stay on to produce progesterone until the placenta is fully formed at the end of the first trimester. So it's, it's crucial for a pregnancy to be maintained by having high progesterone. And in some cases, um, you know, whether it's, you know, genetically a luteal phase deficiency, whether the follicular cells maybe weren't as healthy as they could be in the first place. And then as they transform to the corpus luteum, they weren't able to, you know, convert to their production of progesterone. You know, sometimes you have to kind of wheedle that out first before you decide where you want to treat. But uh, I've, I've definitely used progesterone in a number of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, progestins can, can be helpful for other, you know, other things too. Um, okay, great. And then in, I'm sure you're using a lot of herbal medicine as well and um, supportive things. Yeah. Um, do you do any IV nutrient therapy? Do you find that helpful? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we do IV nutrient. I don't do it specifically for fertility. Mm -hmm. um, if they have some underlying issues going on with their immune system or with their adrenal health um, or inflammation and detoxification, then yes, I'm using IV therapy. So um, for example, and you know, I referred to a case earlier, a patient that I had referred for IVF, um, she was one with endometriosis that we'd identified a lot of toxins in the body. Mm -hmm. so actually spent a full year um, doing acupuncture and some nutrient therapy, including glutathione, IV, and uh, mostly supplements. We didn't really use any herbs in her, um, but she just had her baby last month. So it's like we, we do utilize that, but it's more specific to the person, not for fertility in general. Okay, great. Um, okay, so... Dr. Katie, I know that you have on your website, you have an ebook that um, with, with tips on how to have better hormone balance. Is that right? I do. Yeah. yeah. So tell everybody about that and kind of what they can expect if they go to your website. Sure. So it's called seven steps to healthier hormones and it's just very practical tips for absolutely anyone. It could be male, female, on birth control, not on birth control, postmenopausal, had a hysterectomy, like we all have hormones that could benefit from this advice. So it's, it's general advice, more directed at the lifestyle. So mindset and sleep and breathing and drinking water and nourishing the body and focusing on your gut health. So really applicable to anyone. Um, and especially for people who are hoping to get pregnant. Great. Great. So yeah, I wanted to point that out because hormonal imbalances are one of the big root causes behind skin issues, obviously a big root cause behind fertility issues too. So I think, and, and certainly it impacts so many people. And uh, so I think it's great that you have those, those tips on your website. So tell everybody where they can find you, your website. We'll also have the links up below your podcast interview, but go ahead and share that information with everybody. Yeah. So my website is drkatierose.com. And if they're interested in the ebook, um, they just have to enter their email and click download. And that's it. Um, I also have a Facebook page um, and I have two different Facebook groups, one specific for hormones and the other specific for fertility, in which I've teamed up with a local counselor who specializes in um, really just the emotional support for people going through fertility issues. So um, those are available for people as well. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all your information. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Katie Rose. To learn more about Dr. Rose, you can go to thespotdoctor.com, go to the podcast page with her interview, and you'll find all the information and link to her website in the free gift there. And also, I invite you to join the Spot Doctor community while you're on the website so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. And if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to take the skin quiz to find out what information your skin is trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it. Just go to theskinquiz.com. It's a free, a quick quiz to help you find out more information about the root causes behind what's going on with your health and your skin. Theskinquiz.com. I also invite you to join me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and join the conversation. And I'll see you next time on the Spot Actor Podcast.